first services too. We've got a computer that we're going to have an exorcism later in the day over up there that's acting crazy. It's not their fault. We have a new one coming, so it's uh, it's one of those things. <clears throat> so, fantastic work despite all that going on. Harperland didn't close down to 97, so just so you know. <laughs> uh, I couldn't help myself. Turned it into Shopperyland. What a shame. But hey, we got a great food court. <laughs> Boy, <did. laughs> oh man. It's good to see you guys this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, uh, I'm going to kind of jump on into this um, just so we, we've got enough time to, to cover the bases that I'm trying to cover uh, in the message and, and do the other things we've got uh, in the service. We're getting back to uh, doing communion together today, which is pretty awesome. So uh, excited about that. Um, in fact, uh, we've got the little communion cups out there if you want to get one before the end of the service, if you want to get one while I'm teaching or whatever, I don't care. You get up and do whatever you want to anyway, so, uh, you know, just go ahead, right? I'm kidding, but seriously, if you want to get one, go ahead and get one. We'll be doing that together uh, at the end of the service. Um, so this message is actually a message that uh, while doing the series, Who is God, that we uh, did all the first part of this year, and uh, uh, that I have kind of wrestled with, uh, like, is this part of that series, is it not part of that series, and uh, I guess... You know, the biggest part of it was I, I just, I feel like it is part of who God is, obviously. Well, obviously, it would be obvious to you when you know what I'm talking about. It's not obvious right now because you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Uh, that'll confuse you, and some of you just checked out. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, the, uh, the idea that God is a sending God and that part of, you know, this huge part of his plan, his mission is that he chooses to use us to send us out. Now, the reason I, I was like, I don't think I'm, it's going to be part of that series because it felt so much like, you know, well, who is God? And then we're talking about him sending us out. So it, it kind of feels us-centered. It's not because it's still his mission. So here's what I'm doing. It's, I'm kind of like, like using it as part of this series, but really it's springboarding us toward uh, the next several weeks uh, so, out, so, so, so throughout the month of March, uh, we are going to be talking about what God is leading us to do on mission as a church. Uh, all these things that we've been talking about for the last several years, uh, we built buildings, we've renovated spaces, all of these things, and at the end of the day, uh, it is not for us. I'll say that again. At the end of the day, it is not for us. It's for Him. It's for His glory. It's that we could reach people that we haven't reached before. All, all of these things, and, and we'll be talking about all that stuff for the next several weeks. I pray you don't miss one week of the month of March. I pray, uh, you know, if you need to write it on a mirror somewhere and call it Don't Miss March or, you know, wh whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Uh, you know, but just try, try to be with us throughout this month. I want you to get to hear <clears throat> the things that we're going to be talking about together and the mission in which God has called us to. Now, that being said, I also want to throw this uh, in here this morning. Uh, I already had this passage. I've been looking at this passage on and off. Uh, had a whole bunch of passages honed in on this one. 
uh, this is what God was leading me to. And then in the midst of that, I just it's kind of weird. I don't, I don't always do this, but I, sometimes I'll, I'll go look for uh, somebody else that has taught uh, on the same passage and listen to a message they've done. One of my, one of my favorite uh, communicators of the gospel is a guy by the name of Louis Giglio uh, down in uh, Georgia. And uh, Louis, I don't have time to get into Louis and how the uh, Lord's used him in my life, but just pretty awesome stuff. Uh, and the Lord's really used him in a lot of people's lives. But anyway, he did a, he did a message back in 2019 called Sent uh, that uh, I heard, and there's parts of it that I was just like, I'll never, I'll never preach that better than Louis. Louis does such a fantastic job anyway. Uh, but I, I want to give credit where credit is due. There's probably a couple things that I'm borrowing here in the message today. Uh, it's not his message. It's my message. But uh, there's definitely some quotes and things, and I, I, I just always want to uh, be up front when I'm sharing something of somebody else's as well. Um, that being said... As I said, this passage was, I was just drawn to this passage before I ever got to that. And as I was drawn to this passage, I was reminded that God has called us to His mission. You see how that's worded? God has called us to His mission. Now the problem is, is that for most of us, we struggle with wanting God to get on board with our mission. Right? Like we're like, God, I, I've, been, I've been doing some stuff, and it'd be nice if you could come on with me for my plans, right? I mean, that, that's kind of, that's honestly how we operate sometimes. And the truth is, is that God has a mission. He's called us to be a part of it. And the truth is, is that in the end of all of that, God will have used us for that mission, for His glory, and for His kingdom. And so we're going to talk about even some of what that even means throughout the next several weeks or whatever. But today specifically, I wanted to speak to God being a sending God. Uh, and also just, you know, to even think about, you know, uh, that, the, that part of, you know, all these things that we have done uh, that, you know, we, we've, many of you know, uh, we've had something called Worth It going on for the last couple of years. And, and we'll be talking about some of that through the next couple of weeks even uh, but just this whole calling in which God has led us to make sacrifices. You're surrounded. If you're just joining us at 24, you're surrounded by people who have made sacrifices to help make this happen. None of this happens on its own. You don't buy, you know, computers to, you know, replace the demon-possessed ones or whatever, you know, uh, with just, you know, thin air or monopoly money or whatever it is. It is the sacrifices of many people. It's the faithfulness of many people coming together to do something great for the kingdom of God. Not for us, but for the kingdom and for those that have not heard the gospel yet. This mission in which we're called to, Jesus prays for us in Scripture about this. In fact, if you've got a Bible with you, I want you to go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They will be glad to bring you one. And if you don't own one, you can keep it. And if you just need to borrow it, you can return it to the top of the bookcase on your way out. Uh, but we'd love for you to have that Bible if you want it. Take it with you. Uh, we'd be more than happy for you to have it. Uh, but I want you to go with me to John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying a prayer. And it's kind of a special prayer. And you go, well, I mean, isn't Jesus praying any prayer a special prayer? I mean, isn't that, you know, I mean, isn't that true? Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it is. But this prayer in specifically 
is a, is a prayer that we, we actually even know what's coming just by the words that come before it. And the words that come before it are, the hour has come. The hour has come. And for those of us that, have, that are familiar with Scripture, we know that when we hear that the hour has come, that that's leading up to the moment in which Jesus is going to give His life. He's about to be betrayed, literally sold to these officials to go and beat Him and mock Him and crucify Him and kill Him on a cross that His blood might be shed and His death might be given in place of the death that we deserve for our sin our forgiveness is found in Jesus. Like we know that. We believe that. Well, here's Jesus in the final moments. And if you look at this prayer, we're not going to read the whole thing, so you can go check it out uh, later on if you want to. But the first half of the prayer is Jesus just kind of praying to the Lord and He's talking to Him about Him and He's saying stuff like, you know, uh, you know, uh, glorify me through this and you know all this and that sounds kind of crazy because you know all throughout Jesus' ministry he's been about glorifying the father and then in this moment he's like glorify me through this and what he's what he's doing is he's asking that God would use him to speak to and reach into the lives of all these people that God the father sent him for to begin with and then about halfway through the prayer Jesus switches gears. And when he switches gears from praying about what's going to happen, he starts to pray for us. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I think this, I mean, obviously Jesus is God. We believe that. Uh, But the truth is, is that even still, just knowing that there there is this factor of the truth that he is also man, just really has me at a place where I feel like If I'm in Jesus' shoes, I would spend this whole time about half freaked out. And I would spend this whole time, if I'm praying, praying for myself. I'm just being honest. Like, I think think God would just be like, Lord, I just just need you to help me get through this moment. I know these guys are going to beat the junk out of me. I know that they're going to kill me. I know that I'm going to die. I know that, I mean, all, all of this stuff. You know, I mean, I'd just be, I'd be a little anxious. I'm just being honest. Jesus, halfway through his prayer, in this moment, starts praying for us. Let's see what he says. John 17, verse 14. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He's praying to the Father. Verse 15. I do not ask that you take them, them is us, that you do not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Let's let's talk about that for just a second. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. First of all, He's praying to the Father and saying, will you protect them from Satan? Will you protect them from Satan? If you go back, we did a study while we were in the school 
in the Christian school here back uh, this last year on the armor of God. I don't know how many weeks it was. It was, pretty, it was a pretty in-depth study on the armor of God. Go back. If you didn't get to be with us, I encourage you to listen to it. You can go online. You can listen to it wherever all this stuff is. They'll tell you or it's on the site or whatever. And in that series, one of the things that we learned is that the armor of God is really meant to help us withstand withstand the attack of the evil one. So here, what Jesus is saying really jives with that, which I love. And, and he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And so he says to the Father, please protect them. But he also says what he says right before that, which is a pretty big deal. You see what he says? He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. What? He asked the Father to not take us out of the world? What in the world, Jesus? I mean, like, let's just face it. Like, when, when stuff starts to hit the fan in our lives, most of the time, like, the first, the first thing that we're thinking, like, where our headspace goes almost immediately, you know, is like, I got to get out of this. I got it. We got to get it. I mean, and if we start praying, what are we praying? We're praying, God, you got it. You got to deliver me right now. You got to get me out of here right now. I can't handle it. Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, come quickly. You know, that's, that's a great prayer if it's because we really want to see Jesus. But most of the time that we say the statement, Jesus, come quickly, we're saying, Jesus, come quickly. I need out. Right? And here's, and here's Jesus himself. And he's saying to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. I just ask that you protect them from the knucklehead who's going to cause them harm. Why? Because this is part of his mission. Verse 16, it goes on and says, They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Where That is uh, uh, the meaning of that in the Scriptures. Like to understand what Jesus is saying there is that He is saying to the Father, He's not just saying, your, your Scripture is true. No, He's saying, your Scripture, your word is the truth. And we talked about this a few weeks ago about how a lot of times that we compare God to the things that we know about in this world and oftentimes we, we want to change who God is based upon like some feelings that we have or experiences we have in trying to understand the things of this world and we put those on God instead of reversing it and helping God to help us dictate and understand what those things are, what they mean, what their purpose is. Jesus is saying, your word is the truth. Not a truth. Not a part of truth. The truth. Now, going back to verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is where we come up with that saying that many of us are familiar if you've been in the church for a while 
of, uh, you know, that we as the church should be in the world, but not of the world. Now, it's not Scripture. It's based on this Scripture. You might find it in like first opinions or something like that. Verse 18, he goes on and he says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now, you throw verse 17 in between these. This is what Jesus did. Jesus throws verse 17 in between 16 and 18, or 19, something. Where am I at? 17 and 18, sorry. And you get verse 17 in the middle of this where he's doing all this talking about how, you know, they're not of the world, but I've sent them into the world, and, you know, don't, don't pull them out of the world, but protect them from the world, protect them from the evil one. And in the middle of that, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now we get the whole, you know, we, studied, we just talked about it is the truth. But the other part of this I think that's so important for us is that this is actually a key of the puzzle for us. That for us to go into the world, we have to be founded in what he's asking in verse 17. He's saying, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And for us, I think so many times, we approach our relationship with Jesus like we approach gas stations. Like we, we go to the gas station when that needle is getting on close to the empty, right? I got a friend of mine, that, man, back in the day, we'd ride an extra like 30 miles because he just knew that gas was cheaper in old hickory or something, you know? And we'd ride out, and, and let me tell you what, I have pushed that sucker's cars more times than I care to tell you. We need constant, constant fuel from our Lord and Savior. We need constant, a constant relationship. Think about your strongest relationships in your life. Your strongest relationships are with people that you talk to regularly. You're in communication with them regularly. God is calling us to spend time with Him. And through spending time with Him, He will sanctify us. And you're like, what does that mean, Chris? It's, the, it's sanctification. It's one of those church words. It's the process in which God makes us more like Him. We need to be made more like Him. And that's what He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And how He does that is when we spend time with Him and we get to know Him more and more. And that happens through spending time in His Word. We come around His truth. And again, verse 18, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Into the darkness. We have been called to be light. And he says, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. 
So now he's getting into a context of talking about after he's gone and how ministry will continue to carry on through the Word being made known among us from us. But their Word that he's talking about here is, is not talking about like our opinions. It's talking about His Word being communicated through us. In verse 21, it goes on to help us see this and to see what happens from it. Verse 21 says that they may all be one. That they may all be one. We're going to talk about that in a second. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays to the Father. Lord, make them one. Make them one. I said this at the end of last year to our microchurch. I said, I know I don't have to guess, and I'm giving you this warning today too, and it's a dangerous thing to do. So I kind of hate doing it, but I, I got to do it. I know that Satan desires to tear us apart. He desires to rip us apart as believers, as, as individuals, as families, and as a body of believers. Satan desires to do anything that he can to get in between us, to make us have bitter feelings toward one another, sinful thoughts toward one another. Jesus here is praying that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. May we be on our guard. May we be ready to be together to fulfill the calling in which God is about to put before us as a church. I mean, of all the times in history that the world needs the church, we know. We know it is now. We know they don't, they don't, need, they don't need us limping up there and like, hey, hey we, we came to help, you know? You know? No, they need, they need the full body of believers, as healthy as we can be, overcoming our own personal junk, Forgiven one another. That if we've got something against a brother, that we would go to them and we would ask for forgiveness. That we would confess it. Whatever it takes. That we would be right between the Lord and ourselves and also between one another to strengthen the body. Why? Because the end of verse 21. So that the world may believe that you have sent me so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, when the church is actively pursuing Jesus together, actively fulfilling the call in which God has put on their lives together, the world can't ignore it. The world looks at it and goes, whoa, that's, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of cool. I wonder why... They're 
being kind to people. Wonder why they're loving people. Wonder why they're serving people. Why would they... Why would they give up a day to do that? Why would they give up their time to do that? Why would they treat me like that? I thought church people were like this. I thought church people were like that. One of my favorite things is to disprove what church people are like. God is calling us to be the influencers of the world. He's not calling us to go into the world to be influenced by it. He's calling us to be the influencers in it. Salt of the earth. Light of the world. And the funny thing is, is that God's thought is not about getting us out of the world like sometimes we really want when things are really crazy and we're going through a really hard moment, his thought is not about getting us out of the world, it's about sending us into it, which kind of goes against what we think. I got to hang out with Josh Hudgens this week for a while. My family and I did. What a blessing. And uh, by the way, he would love to see some of you, you know, give him a call, go by and see him, set up a time when he's feeling up to it and stuff. Um, but we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and Josh and I go way back. And for those of you who don't know Josh, he's one of our deacons. He's been with us since the very beginning of the church. Um, uh, just love him, love his family. He had a stroke this past year that, I mean, the day of the stroke, they were just, I, I, they weren't saying it, but I was there. And I can tell you, they all, they being nurses and doctors, whoever was there, they all believed he was going to die. And I can tell you, he's not dead. Okay? Like the Lord's done a miraculous thing in his life and is still doing a miraculous thing in his life and he gives him all the glory for it. In the midst of us talking about this and how he's now in a wheelchair and uh, left side of his body's completely paralyzed, a uh, little, little bit of motion, a little bit of movement on left foot and leg and some of that are working with that and trying to you know, get that to come around. I mean, this has come from where he had nothing there for a good while. So amazing what's happened up to here. But we're talking the other night, and he said to me, he said, you know, people think they know who God is until something like this happens. He said it changes your perspective of who God is. And that conversation as it went along, and, and they're, they're very upfront and honest if you don't know them, especially Dusty, my nickname for Dusty's been Sandpaper for a long time, by the way. You're welcome to use that. She'll know where it came from. And uh, they'll be very upfront that they have, they've had bad days. They've had good days. They some days fight like cats and dogs, which they've been doing for a long, long time, ever since he met her in the subway at Jolton while we were hanging out in front of the gas station. That happened. But he said, you know, all of this crazy that has happened in my life and how hard it is, it doesn't change the fact that God is still good. Our circumstances don't change who God is. He's still good. And, we, and believe me, we want Him to be good. We need Him to be good. Like we, don't, we don't need God changing on that. Because we need Him to be the fence post that He is that we, can, that we can anchor ourselves to at any given point in life and we know that He's the same. 
Louis said this. He said, the idea isn't that we walk into every situation to be right. The idea is that we walk into every situation to be light. God has sent us with His love to be light into the darkness. You know what? I'll predict something. God's going to use Josh Hudgens and his life and his testimony to be light into this world to people that many of us would never have gotten a chance to be light to. That's going to happen. It's already started happening. It's amazing. I love it. I love watching what God's doing through him. I love watching his faith grow even through it. Unbelievable. And for so many folks, I think that they believed that the goal was to get saved and get in the church and then never act like they were in the world. And it's not. That's not the goal. The goal isn't to get saved, get in the church, and never act like you were in the world. He calls us back to it. Why? Because they are there. And they need someone else to help pull them out of the darkness. And who better to pull somebody out of the darkness than someone that's been there? Some of you have been through stuff that I've never been through. I couldn't even fathom going through some of the stuff that I've seen some of you go through. That darkness, as much as it might, may hurt even right now, God is going to use that for His glory in the days to come. You wait and you watch. Jesus didn't tell the Father that He was sending the darkness to the church. He said, I am sending them into the darkness. We know that's our call. A lot of times we don't know what to do with it. But we know that's our call. On October 14th, 1987, Jessica McClure, who, if you were around in 1987 to be watching the news on this particular day, you would probably know her more uh, as Baby Jessica. Baby Jessica was 18 months old. She fell into an 8-inch well a little abandoned well in her aunt's backyard in Midland, Texas. 22 feet into the ground. Rescue workers worked around the clock to free her. They could not figure out how to get her out. They brought in oil drillers. But they were met with rock and the type of equipment that they had there. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything with it. So then guys with jackhammers came. But they were no help either. A mining engineer finally came to help lead the efforts to drill down next to the shaft. 45 hours after she went into the well. 45 hours from the adjacent shaft that they drilled rescuers could hear her singing Winnie the Pooh. 
I remember this. I remember watching it on TV. I, I remember, this is like one of the first times in history, like we were watching something as it was happening, and everybody's glued to their TVs during this whole thing. And the whole time you're just hoping that you're going to see this baby brought out of the ground. And as, and as this is going on, there are long periods of time that they would share. We haven't heard anything from her. We don't know if she's still alive. I remember Winnie the Pooh. I remember when she was singing and they announced on the news she's singing Winnie the Pooh. 56 hours into the whole ordeal, a roofing contractor volunteered to go down the shaft to attempt the rescue. He was born without collarbones and could collapse his shoulders to fit into tight spaces. It actually ended up being EMTs that would, at finally 58 and a half hours, be able to free baby Jessica from the well where she had been wedged with one leg above her head the entire time. She's doing great. Freed from the darkness. You know what you don't see in that story? You know what didn't happen? You didn't have her family members and her friends coming over and looking down into the hole and going, I told you to stay away from that hole. I don't know why in the world you go down that hole. You should have known better. That's kind of how we treat people, right? We can't do that. We have to recognize that at points in our lives, we too have made mistakes that have put us in the darkness. And we've needed other people to come and free us, to pull us out, to help us in those moments. We know what that's like. And we know that there's others that need it too. i got to tell you, all these things that we've been praying about, addiction ministry, foster adoption care, bus ministry, all these things, I'm just, I've been like, I've I got to be honest, there's been a little bit of me just like, we finally got in the building, not in the school, and not being mobile, and all the craziness that came with all of those things. And finally, just, I want to just be like, whew, let's take a break, Right? But you want to know what I've seen? As a pastor, I've seen God begin to move the pieces. Move in those chess pieces. Here's, here's somebody that needs help with this. Here's somebody that needs help with that. And after you see about five or six like kind of crazy situations or whatever going on, you finally just go, okay, Lord, I get it. We're not going to rest right now. It's time to get on with the show. And that's where we are. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. Your abilities and opportunities are your, are your keys to the door into the world. Say, so Chris, what are you talking about? Let me put it to you like this. The world, the darkness in which we've been called to go back into and into and be light... How do we get in there? What are, do, is this the approach we should take? Should we just be like, hey, 
Hey, guess what? I'm here and I got the truth and you need it, so you need to listen to me. How does that work? <laughs> Lead balloon. It doesn't work. We know that. How, how do we get through those doors that God is calling us to walk through into the lives of these people that He's called us to love and to care for? How do we do that? I just told you. Our abilities... And our opportunities are the keys to the doors of this world. The fact that you are good at something, whatever you're good at, maybe it's you're good at making cookies. Some of you are not good at making cookies. We know that, right? But some of you are really good at things like, you know, whatever. You're a really good person at doing this skill. And you know what? People around you respect you for that. Now, by the way, there's, something, there's a difference between being really good at something and doing it well. You get that, right? Like there's a reason that in Scripture God called us to do all things to the glory of God. It is so that when we do things, people will recognize that we do care about what we are doing. And through that, we will gain respect and in turn, the keys to the door of someone's life that will allow us to speak into it. God is calling us to be the influencers of the world. He wants to use you. He's given you those abilities. He's, he's given you the stuff. And you're like, well, Chris, I, you know, I've, I've honed my abilities. No, I've, listen, He has given you the body he has given you the breath. He has given you the hands or the feet or the eyes or the ears or whatever it is that you use to do what you're good at. You say, Chris, I'm not good at anything. Listen, you be good at being a good neighbor and you're, if you're a good neighbor enough, eventually your other neighbors are going to take notice. They're going to be like, why is this dude out here picking up the trash in our front yard? Keys to doors for the kingdom of God. But we've got to ready ourselves. We need to be in the Word. We need to be sanctified by His truth. We need to be ready to work together. We need to be ready to overcome those things I talked about earlier. Asking forgiveness, confessing sin, making things right between one another. This world is crazy enough now. Guess what? It's going to keep getting crazier. But here's the truth. In the end, the Lord will reconcile it all back to Him. And He will restore it for His kingdom. And we get to be a part of that. Think about the revival that might take place. Here's, here's, my, here's my biggest fear for the church, not 24 church, I'm talking about the church as a whole right now in 2021. My biggest fear is that church, the church at large is going to lay down and take a nap. And they're going to they're gonna lay that on COVID's doorstep or they're the tired doorstep or the life is crazy doorstep or whatever it is. And I'm here to tell you that God is over here and He's moving pieces and He's saying, here's a person minister to them. Here's a person minister to them. And I know it's got to be happening in your life too. Unless you're a hermit. 
Hopefully not. God is calling us to get to be a part of something amazing for His kingdom. He said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. I'm going to close. I'm not going to say anything about them. Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Just the last couple days, I got some texts from one of the guys here at church. There's a guy that we have collectively together been trying to talk the gospel with for six years. For six years. We've spent a lot of time together too. For six years I've been praying for this guy. He texted me yesterday. I woke up to a text message that said, and he had something horrible in his life happen this week. I woke up to a text message from him this morning, or yesterday morning that said, hey, keep praying. Keep trying. He's asking questions he's never asked. Six years. Our God is in the business of saving sinners just like me and you. Let us not give up on them as well as He didn't give up on us. He is ascending God. We are His sent people. Might we pray, send us, Lord. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word for your truth. God, help us. Lead us to be the people that you have called us to be in sending us into the lives of others. God, may we not take our relationships for granted, but may we see them as opportunity for you to work through us just to experience your love. God, may they experience your love through us. God, may you open the doors however you see fit that we might share who you are and what you've done in our lives with them. God, use us for your glory. God, may they believe in you because they know us and see what you have done in our lives. God, may they see us as a church that is unified as one on mission for your kingdom. God, I pray for anyone, Lord, that is watching, listening, here right now, Lord, that has never trusted in you. God, I pray. Lord, if they have never believed and trusted in You as their Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day that they trust in You and say, Lord, I need You to save me. Forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in the sacrifice of Your Son, Jesus. 
may He be my Savior. God, do the work that we can't do and lead us to do the work that we can. We ask all this in Your Son's name. Amen.